hey, hey, welcome into the conversation. It is your host, Adrian Lawrence. And today I am joined by the co-founder and CEO of Hey Jane, which is one of the first digital abortion clinics. Thank you so much for joining us, Kiki Friedman. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Kiki. So, you know, this digital abortion clinic, I'm guessing, is this something new that's been sparked with the reversal of Dobbs, or is this something where you got out ahead of the action before the Supreme Court decided to go rogue? It is something that we've been working on for a while. And before the fall of Roe, the idea came about since the summer of 2019 when I saw the final abortion clinic in Missouri, where I'd gone to school nearly get shut down. Um, So it sort of seemed that the writing was on the wall, that things were trending in a very dark direction. It seemed dystopian at the time to imagine one state with no abortion access. Uh, And of course, that's become quaint in retrospect. Um, But we started fortunately working on it before this more recent urgent need came about. And it's so incredibly cool in part just because I like uh, telehealth. I love medicine coming to my door as opposed to me having to go to hospitals or go to facilities or to deal with other people in the outside world. So to know that people can get this healthcare service as it concerns abortion uh, via this digital mechanism, that is amazing. What did you have to do in order to get this in place for Hey Jane? Yeah, so the first step was really just setting up our medical protocol. We know that these medications are incredibly safe and effective. The abortion pill has been approved for more than 20 years by the FDA. And so we just had to make some small changes to make it compatible with the telemedicine model. And then getting the word out, making sure that people know that this is an option. We saw even before Roe fell that more than half of abortions are done with the abortion pill. And yet today, still only one in four people know the abortion pill is an option. So we wanna get the word out, make sure that people know this is a safe and effective and really important choice that many people can make. Yes, and I know this is a powerful game changer for not a lot of people out there who may find themselves in a situation where they do need an abortion. And so if they are seeking your services, how does it work? Do they need to have health insurance? Can they just go ahead and submit a request? Fill us in. Yeah, it's super easy. Patients will come onto our site. They'll get lots more information about what the treatment is, how it works with Hey Jane. They will do an online intake. They could do that 24 seven. So after work, when the kids are asleep, whatever it might be. And within one business day, one of our really experienced and sympathetic providers will get back to them to confirm their prescription if appropriate. The medication then gets shipped to an address of their choice, usually their home, as quickly as overnight. And then throughout, they'll have access to on-demand support, clinical, but also emotional and social at the top of a button to make sure that they're they're very well taken care of. In terms of insurance, we price at $249, that's less than half of the national average. And we do partner with some really wonderful abortion funds who can help offer financial assistance. That's fantastic, that's really great that you have other mechanisms available for people who may not necessarily be able to afford it. But also that you're out there making it cost effective because the reality is is that especially in this time, it can be very difficult for people to absorb another cost. And so to make that accessible in terms of the abortion pill is absolutely fantastic. And I know right now that you know there are a few restrictions in that the company, hey Jane, that you're only really shipping to what? Colorado, Illinois, New Mexico, Washington, to New Jersey, California, New York, as they're what the only states that allow telemedicine? 
Um, there are several states that allow telemedicine abortion, and we hope to be in all of them soon. Um, we started with some of those larger states, um, and we'll be expanding quickly from there. All right, fantastic. So there are more states out there that do allow it, right? There are, there are 19 states that have sort of preemptively banned telemedicine abortion, um, but many of the remaining are viable, and so we hope to get to them soon. Yes, I hope so as well. I'm just so glad to hear that there are more than just the list of the ones, uh, which I completely understand and very much appreciate how you've started, especially California, New York, some of the states that are most populated. I think that's fantastic. It allows you to reach a number of people. And it seems like also these states happen to be the ones that are most supportive in terms of abortion rights, which is also significant, even though it is incredibly unfortunate that we have so many states that we're still trying to get them to recognize our health care. And um, as far as I understand it, I know um, teleabortion, you said it was banned in about 1920 states in terms of um, getting that access. Do you know what's holding it up? Is it because they do have a larger larger legislation on the table that just outright kind of bans abortion um, or completely restricts it? Yeah, so many of the states, as you might imagine, are those that have now implemented full or essentially full bans since the Dobbs decision came down. Um, most of them are just based in, of course, um, non-scientific beliefs around um, how the treatment works in order to withhold access to what is essentially um, to what is essential healthcare. Oh, it's completely unfortunate. Hopefully, there will be change at some point soon. But we're very fortunate to have organizations like Hey Jane out there that can provide people with quick access. And so, when it comes to public response, uh, when you tell people, "Hey, this is what I run, Hey Jane," it's one of the first digital abortion clinics. Uh, kind of, what kind of response do you get? Um, so far, we have seen such an incredibly positive response. I have to say, I'm very grateful for that. I think people um, can slip into feeling a little bit hopeless right now. There's a lot of really bleak news out there in terms of the direction that access is moving. So I think being able to see folks um, innovating and trying uh, new ways to approach, you know, this um, unfortunately old problem can give um, you know a bit of a bright spot within the broader ecosystem. Well, that's great. I think it's something that we very much need. Um, although, hey, if anything's going to fuel people going into the midterms to vote blue and hopefully vote in a way that truly does make this November, I will encourage that without a doubt. And so, in terms of what you're doing with Hey Jane, is there something on the agenda coming up next other than trying to get into other states? Yes, so our big focuses now are on finding ways to continue to expand access. Geography is a big part of that and financial accessibility is a huge component as well. Um, finding new ways to both lower everyday cost and then partner with payers and other really important means of um, creating new channels for low cost access. We've also found that the complete care model that we provide that does integrate this um, holistic clinical, emotional, and social support has been incredibly well received by our patients. We have patient satisfaction scores that are 10 times higher than the healthcare industry average. And so finding ways to potentially apply that model to other really underserved healthcare treatments that would benefit from this holistic support is something that's on our radar as well. Well, that's wonderful. It does sound like you are expanding care options for people who need it, especially with these states out here trying to curb people's access to health care. And something I was wondering if you all had potentially considered it, 
as you know, there are these larger organizations uh, that are situated um, perhaps uh, in states that can't necessarily get full access to abortion. If there is the possibility of having some kind of partnership with them uh, where you're not in a position where you necessarily have to ship to a state where it's illegal. But even if you were to provide some kind of access or opportunity by way of partnership with these organizations or these companies in terms of the care that they are able to provide their employees. That is such an important point. I think um, one detail that's often confused in this conversation is that it is still legal for residents of hostile states to get care in friendly states. Um, we've seen states like New York and California, New Jersey go so far as to explicitly say, we will protect access for out of state patients who need to travel to our state. And so working with employers or other organizations within those hostile states to ensure um, that folks can get really convenient, fast and affordable care once they've crossed those state lines is essential. It's of course ridiculous that patients need to go through those hoops in order to get care, traveling across state line to access essential health care. But we hope that given those constraints that exist, we can make it as easy as possible. Yeah, you're right, it is absolutely ridiculous. But hey, if an employer can foot the bill, whether it says, okay, we are going to have you go to our New York office and it so happens there's a pill waiting for them. That's not a bad idea. Sounds like a good setup to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, whatever needs to be done to get people this opportunity and this access. All right, so we only have a few more minutes left, but I would love to know when it comes to Hey Jane, what is the message that you really want people to receive when it comes to the services that you're able to provide and also what you stand for as an organization? Absolutely. Um, Well, the timing of um, our conversation is serendipitous. September 28th is International Safe Abortion Day. And so we feel it's important to just reiterate that abortion is necessary for bodily safety. We know that patients denied abortion care are four times more likely to be in poverty, significantly more likely to be in abusive relationships. um, And 14 times more likely to die from carrying an unintended pregnancy to to term. So sustaining abortion access is necessary to safety in and of itself. And we now have these really wonderful options like medication abortion and telemedicine to sustain that safe access um, moving forward. Yes, yes, indeed. And that's a very powerful thing. And so again, very grateful for Hey Jane and the other organizations out there looking to hopefully dismantle this limited access to abortion care. As we know, it is health care and it should be something that all people can access. This is a humanitarian issue. This is an issue of people's health care welfare. And we really need to focus on that and hopefully institute the change that is necessary. All right, so for those out there who are interested in Hey Jane, whether it's supporting the cause or maybe getting access to abortion themselves, where can they go? Where should they go to get more information? Check out heyjane.com or on Instagram or TikTok at Hey Jane Health. Fantastic, thank you so, so much for joining us. That's Kiki Friedman, co-founder and CEO of Hey Jane. Thank you so much for having me. And we have more conversation for you. Again, it's Adrian Lawrence. And this time I am the Executive Director of United for Iran, Firuze Mahmoudi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. 
Yes, so I know that Iran and the conversations that are going on around there and the protests, they are making headlines and waves right now. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what is going on? Of course, Um, so um, as you know, the protest started with the killing of Gina Amini, a young Kurdish woman who was visiting family in Tehran and the morality police arrested her. And um, while in custody, uh, she was, uh, her skull was crushed multiple times. Was uh, she was beaten, and then she, uh, once she got out, uh, quickly after she died. And that was a sparkle that started the current uh, first protests now uh, movement and an uprising. And um, we are seeing, for the first time to this extent women leading the charge, young women and young men, but women mostly, um, and uh, unifying, galvanizing the country in a way we haven't seen. And although the Islamic Republic does what it can to um, pivot different groups against each other, they've been, um, the protesters have been incredible with the message of solidarity and support and backing of each other from city to city to make it very clear that they are one group fighting for the same cause. Yes, and what would you say if you were able to summarize what that cause is? As I've heard a lot of talk about these morality type police out there, people feeling limited in terms of uh, maybe if it's wearing a hijab or what they're doing, what would you say people are pushing for? Um, Though this started because of the morality police and the uh, woman having to cover, the cause is much bigger than that. uh, hijab that women have to wear is just a symbol of oppression. It's a, a much bigger thing. It's about body autonomy. It's about basic rights. It's about gender rights. It's about anti-discrimination. It's about secular democracy. It's about a new future where everyone can um, um, lead the lives they want and have all, uh, their basic rights honored. Yes, and have it respected most certainly. I really get the sense that uh, in Iran, people don't want to go back necessarily. Um, And it's more of progressing and going forward and staying the course, staying the path. And so would you say that that is definitely what the sentiment is in terms of those who are taking to the streets and uplifting their voices right now? Absolutely, one of the chants that I saw today for the first time was your bullets are few, we are many. Um, People are putting their lives on the line and they are clear. They're looking at the camera. We have videos of some of the young girls that have died and some some of the messages are like, I'm going the street, we're gonna do this. And they know what they're doing. They're not missing words. Um, We don't see fear in their faces. They are so brave. And um, what they're uh, advocating for is a new Iran, an Iran where they can have their rights honored, absolutely. And in a way, the genie's out of the bottle. I'm not sure what the future exactly looks like. We can talk about that. And there's no going back in a way because they have shed their hijab in a way we've never seen before. So many of them throughout the country, in every city, in cities that we haven't seen protests in before. And they're dancing in the streets, they're burning the hijab, they're climbing on top of cars and uh, you know, um, waving their fists and advocating for change. And the government of Iran is already had its back to the wall. I saw um, a comic, a political cartoon that was very telling. It's no longer back to a wall, it's to the edge of a cliff. Um, what they have created is a country that's based on oppression, based on um, 
um, oppressing women and forcing the hijab on them. Um, the grandmothers of these young women that were in the streets during the revolution advocating um, for um, this, uh, demanding that the hijab would not start were the bellwethers of this situation. They're like, hey, if they put the hijab on us, this is not just about a piece of fabric. They are able to effectively control half of the population. And if once that's normalized, becomes normal in the rest of the country for everyone else. So when we have had this for 40 plus years, and now, and this is the identity of the regime, right? So um, oppressing people and using theocracy and, um, and killing their own kids and not only kids, grandkids and great grandkids. These are men in their 80s and even 90s killing um, folks, we call them a they're born in the 80s and it's currently year 1401 in Iran. So 70s and 80s, kids are teenager than in their 20s, older folks too, of course. And um, that's where they're at. So absolutely, I don't think that there's really a going back because they've tied their identity to the demands of to um, to oppression and the demands are so clear that we will not stand for this oppressive regime anymore. That the amount of change that is required is no, will no longer allow this regime to be as is. That's very very powerful. And I know you spoke of the grandmothers in the past, and I'm sure there have been uprisings before. But what's different about the response this time from the Iranians? Um. Each one has its own flavor, of course. This is was a very organic um, uh, movement. Um, we're not surprised, but it it just came about, right? There was a sparkle with the genie that led to this fire, and um, it is throughout the country in smaller cities we've never seen. It's bold in a way we haven't seen. We're seeing teenagers literally taking their scarf off, walking up to the police and saying, don't you dare touch me. And just standing there strong. We, people have done this before, but to this extent and this caliber where they're not showing fear and if anything you see the hesitation um, in the eyes and the bodies of the other side. Wow, and so what are you hearing on the ground from friends, family? Uh, what are people saying? Um, the. The number of folks being arrested is a lot more than we may think, and we don't have the uh, uh, complete numbers, but we know um, more than uh, 50 people have been killed and more than 1,000 people have been arrested already. And um, we, a number of people without hijab is definitely also more than um, uh, we're seeing in the media. As we know, the uh, government's doing whatever it can to shut uh, not only the protests, but shut out the rest of the world so they can do what they do best, which is um, persecute the people with impunity. So with the internet off and on being shut down, um, it's hard to get all the information, but it's really important to remember that what we're seeing um, is only a fraction of what's happening and that um, that we need to continue talking about this, that they're not going away and we need to be their voice and not forget them. I remember in the 2009 uprising, um, this Iran's uprising was on, on the media all around the world until the day Michael Jackson died and then immediately stopped and moved to something else. So we have to make sure that we keep them not only in our hearts and minds, but as um, part of the public discourse. Absolutely, without a doubt, uh, keeping that pressure on with that accountability of having the world see. I know that that can be something that is significant in terms of getting leadership to get right. 
And when it comes to the regime there, how do you think they're going to respond in the event that media coverage continues? Do you think it's going to take them some time before they realize they need to back down? Do you think what they're gonna do is going to be just something superficial to placate people in the moment? What will happen? Um, um, a good question. Um, what they usually do is shut down the uh, internet, and they um, once the internet is shut down, they um, and, then, and they're vi as violent as they can be, right? They will. Um, there are already thousand people, over thousand people in prison. They they are they torture, they threaten, they do whatever they can to instill fear. And that's the only tool really that's left for them. And this time, uh, the, there's de they're definitely um, at a crossroads, so they can continue doing that. And fear is no longer working. Uh, the people on the streets are fearless, so that's a really difficult position that they have put themselves in. On the other hand, like I said, if they let go and kind of given to no hijab, then the whole identity dismantles. Um, so um, there is that too. I think it's really critical also to remember for all of us advocating from outside, be it government officials, prominent people, um, whoever is talking about this, that this is a homegrown movement and those inside Iran are leading it. Those uh, young individuals and um, are leading it. And that what we need to do is create space for them to do what they want to do and take the level of risk they want to take and stay in the streets and not in any way um, 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 influence or try to influence and dictate how things should go or who should lead this movement from the outside. Yes, absolutely. Uh, allowing those who are advocates, protesters, uplifters, uh, and resistors, and who've been leading the movement and lead the way in the conversation is critical. And so, if people want to support, other than ensuring that it continues to get media coverage, uh, is there anything else people can do from afar in order to lift up the cause? I think it's really critical to stay informed, follow the leaders, stay up to date on what's happening, be part of the discourse, pressure one's government to act unilaterally, bilaterally, multilaterally, to pressure Iran to do what we can. Those of us outside that have the abilities and are in the tech world doing what we can to make sure that access stays open as well with technologies as well as satellites and um, internet overall. Yes, that is an incredibly important thing and something I think that we all can get behind because we know that transparency is key, especially when we're seeing a lot of uh, dictator type governments popping up and even the United States being possibly under the thumb of one making that attempt. All right, so thank you so, so much for all of your insight. If people want to get involved in supporting United for Iran, what can they do? They can go to our site and sign up. Our website's unitedforiran.org and find out more. And I want to end by saying that we truly are not liberated till all of us are liberated. And we are not liberated till women are liberated. This is all one cause and we all need to be part of the struggle. Absolutely, I completely and totally support that. And I'm also very grateful to have you, Farouza Mahmoude, uh, Executive Director, United for Iran. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Adrian.